welcome to this episode, this live episode of Mind the Gap, uh, Enablix's only podcast on sales and marketing uh, alignment. So I'm Nick Zeke Lopez. We are live on LinkedIn Live. I'm the host of this one. And today joining me uh, is Daniel Wiener. Danny, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me on the only Enablix podcast. The only, you know, honestly, we used to have dozens. Um, I, I think... This I is think the only they, one that survived. The, 100%. It was, it was the great culling of podcasts. Um, uh, to, we had some uh, like influencer podcasts. Uh, we had some on high fashion. They didn't make it um, for obvious reasons. Uh, no, but thank you for joining me. Yeah, uh, we'll, absolutely. Uh, talking through um, scaling sales and marketing through agencies, uh, as as well as a few uh, other topics that are near and dear to your heart um, that I'd like to comment on. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I don't even know what we're talking about. So this is even better. Uh, that's 100%. So you, you thought you were coming for lunch and yeah, 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 yeah. this is the podcast. No. Uh, so before we get started, could you please just kind of give for uh, the people listening um, uh, post haste, uh, what's your background? How did you find your, your, your way to where we are and how did we meet? How did we meet? That's, <laughs> that's a good story. Uh, we met playing basketball together for roughly the last <laughs> decade or so uh, through, I guess we have to shout out Furco. We have uh, to shout out Fran Furco. Fran Furco, a little bit of a basketball legend in uh, Atlanta. He is how we got connected. But my background is agency and, and marketing in general. I worked for a boutique agency in Atlanta for roughly seven years, uh, resigned amidst the madness of COVID in 2020 and launched what I do now, which is called You Should Talk To, officially in September of 2020. Um, and okay, that was brief. I like that. No uh, question you should talk to. Uh, can you give us, uh, you know, without selling us all, can you tell us what you should talk to us? You should talk to pairs, brands, and marketers for free with vetted agencies and or freelancers for pretty much any marketing or technology need. So take calls with typically VP of marketing, CMO, director of marketing, talk through needs, timeline, and budget, typically like I am an agency. And then after that phone call, um, most of the time, we move straight into introductions. I frame up the needs to partners of mine. Once I make the intros, I'm out of the actual sales process. Agency and or freelancer will take over and take the brand through their uh, process and hopefully close the deal. Awesome. So I want to get the, something I wanted to bring up was around the time you mentioned where you resigned and, uh, you know, COVID uh, kind of uh, happened. I noticed you started posting a lot more on uh, the social network at LinkedIn.com, um, uh, the platform where we are now live. Um, could you tell me? So, first of all, uh, first of all, why uh, you, you post a lot? Why? And then larger, larger, more largely, how do you feel about, I, I want to say, the growing trend of growing online brand and, and, and LinkedIn brand being a thing that matters? Yeah. Um, the short answer to why at the time was why not? Um, I don't know that I necessarily had a goal for it. I think I saw other people doing it, uh, saw that they had developed some sort of following and thought, I can do that, and figured I'd give it a shot. Uh, didn't really have a clear... Um, goal in mind. I just knew more people were online than ever before due to COVID because we couldn't do anything else. Um, what was the second part of the question? What do I, how do I feel so, about it in general? Yeah. So, well, I mean, because I think that, you can know, only do one question at a time. Well, I understand. Well, yeah. We're in a serialized fashion yeah, yeah, yeah. here. No. Well, so I, I think that that kind of brand building of like, just, just post, just post, um, is becoming more and more of, uh, I want to say the norm. Right, everybody's trying. Everybody's trying to get their salespeople to do it. Everybody's trying to get their marketing teams to do it. Um, how it's reflecting on where it is now versus where you started? Uh, do you think people are just getting more savvy at, at what it can do? 
Um, and and how, how do you reflect on, on the difference there of what it is today where everybody's kind of posting? Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, for me, the main, you know, goal that has developed over time and is probably my main goal now, which I think makes it easier for me to do what I do is just visibility in general. Um, when people see you more often, they think of you more often and, uh, you know, it's hard to tie like a definitive, this is what happened because I posted on LinkedIn, but there's just more activity in general. There's more mm -hmm. people viewing your profile, wondering what the hell you're doing, uh, and eventually hopefully people wanting to reach out. Um, the reason I said I think it makes it easier to look at it like that, for me at least, is one of the things that I oftentimes loosely disagree with, with like a lot of the LinkedIn people who are significantly larger than myself on LinkedIn is, you know, that you always have to be providing value. The word value. Oh, people love that word so much. And it's, you know, for some of them, if they can create something like super amazing every single day, like I'm impressed. Um, it's really hard to provide value every single day. Also, value is one of those words that means something significantly different to everybody. Um, yeah. So I make my main goal to just kind of, it's, it's one more thing to check off. You know, typically in the mornings, I wake up, it's one of the first things I do. Um, there's not a huge strategy behind it, and I just write. It gets the creative juices flowing. Well, you know, I think that's in, I would say that, that kind of contrasts with what a lot of people say to do. Right? I see posts of, you know, Sunday night, think of the topics you want to talk about. Write out your post. It's easy. You, you just kind of go spontaneous? Like you wake up in the morning and you post? For the most part, yeah. I take screenshots of stuff that, like, loosely inspire me throughout the week. Uh, in my phone. And I also have the notes app where like, if something comes to me, I'll like jot down a quick note, but I'm never, I don't know if I've ever created like the actual post in advance. No. Uh, I think the thing that drives me crazy is there's almost like a, a, a bisection of LinkedIn as a social network and LinkedIn is a place where you're selling to people who can give you money. Um, and, and I think, I think LinkedIn's trying to, I think we're all trying to figure out what, what it is right now, but it's, uh, I see a lot of people posting about, you know, I saw something the other day, how uh, they said, if you want to be successful on LinkedIn, you need to be posting on the weekends because that's when executives are actually checking LinkedIn. And like, yeah, but like, what's it? What are we doing? Like, we're waking up early to post on a business social network to like get attention. I, I, I feel like there's a difference between what you said, creating interesting or valuable content and trying to sell, and I don't, I don't know that they're ne the motivations are necessarily aligned. You've called it the game before. Um, is there a game to LinkedIn or to to I, even I go I don't know, you go past LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever that is. is. Is there something more than that? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's playing the game to a certain degree. Um, you know, I never post something that I don't actually believe in, but am I like dying to go post on? A Saturday or a Friday morning or like coming up with something engaging. Not what I live for. It's not what I wake <laughs> up and say, I'm like really pumped to post this. However, I do very much enjoy the uh, reward I get from doing it, mm -hmm. which is more activity, more things that positively affect my business and things like that. But now, I mean, the, the thing on the weekend, like I would argue the only thing in my opinion that matters is peaking interest. Um, but also you made the comment like people are doing it in, in order to be successful. Like yeah. I would take it a step further and say define success. Like what is your idea of being successful on LinkedIn? Um, I think overall visibility anywhere and, you know, Gary Vee 
I think probably like patented this yeah. whole line about attention, but he did it like five years ago and he was right. Like the only things in my opinion that matter right now is attention and visibility. Uh, it's what you do once you have it that probably matters, but you know, there it's so valuable for people to see you and see your name and just, you know, see your company name as much as possible. So then, I guess prediction. So Gary Vee, did, that was that was YouTube, right? That was his whole thing is posting YouTube and then or YouTube clips of wine reviews, um, which we this can turn into if you want. Um, this is, uh, that's what this is. Right? Uh, yeah, I think I think I've got a, a cheap Pinot Noir somewhere uh, if you want to house that. But uh, so just I mean, kind of as we wrap up the topic, LinkedIn big right now. Obvious reasons we're on it. Uh, are there places where people need to be thinking about more? Just like, let's say you're growing your brand. Because I see it, the way you describe it, I see it in the way that people have always done this in real life, right? If you take the internet away, you're still trying to be a person that people want to talk to and be a thing that people find interesting or important. I don't think many people in real life think about other people in the way of, does this person add value to me? So I think that's kind of a veneer that, that LinkedIn has put on it. But outside of LinkedIn, are there places where, is this just everywhere? Like all in, you know, your social medias need to be, your online presence should post back to whatever you're selling or are there places to do it and places not to do it? Like don't do it on Facebook, do it on Twitter. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, depends on a lot of things. I'd say like time and resources, right? If you're one, I'm, I'm a one person you know, operation. <laughs> LinkedIn is a low barrier of entry. I can do by myself. I don't have to pay somebody for it. Um, you know, if you have the, uh, resources and time to be everywhere. If this was five years ago, I would have said be where your audience is. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's naive to say that a little bit now, just based on how the internet works. If you can be everywhere, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, doubling down on what works after that is probably a better strategy, I'd say, after you've seen a little bit of data and like what's coming back. But it's really hard to ignore what's going on on TikTok with just the amount of organic reach. And I think, you know, the most common thing is like, oh, we're a you know, a B2B business or like are, uh, you know, people aren't there. They are, they're, they're consuming content. They just may not be creating it. And that yeah. amount of organic eyeballs that you can get from TikTok is legitimately changing people's lives. Like one viral TikTok makes someone their career. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there's a guy that, that just, uh, there was the guy in the Super Bowl commercial uh, where he just does this. That's his whole thing. He yeah. just, he does, he does that. Uh, so question for the live stream. Uh, how important is it to, to um, ask you, how important is it to be unique? in your personal brand, like find something that other people are doing versus being authentic. If you can almost think like a lot of people that are authentic are unique. Not a lot of people that are trying to be unique are doing it to be authentic. Right. You see, I, I, you see the number of people where you're like, Oh, you're doing this cause it's kind of like a Chris Walker thing. Right. Or you're doing this cause it's kind of like, uh, uh, you see that follow up. Um, I don't know that using the Blackberry on the stream helps or hurts. <laughs> um, but, but we did get a, a call out for that. Did Blackberry sponsor this? Uh, I don't think they sponsored it. We did get a question about it though. Oh, wasn't uh, it uh, I don't know. Uh, it's probably the Wi-Fi that you're connected to, um, uh, or that, uh, I'm hosting the event. Um, but, uh, the, the question then, so, uh, uh let me, there we go. Uh, let me echo back to that question you had on, uh, that we had on uniqueness. Do you like, is that a thing that like people should like, this is my, like almost like a mission statement. This is my personal brand. Here's how I'm different. Like, and where does that go? Is it possible to be unique? Uh, I think the easiest way to be unique is to create a unique point of view. There's so much content out there, which is an easy place to start as well. Like I think that was the biggest misconception I had at the beginning. I was like, Oh, I have to sit down and write like, all of these like crazy unique posts, you can just borrow what other people are saying and give your own point of view. 
you know, yeah. that I think creates the uniqueness. Um, I think like, at least for me, like friends and people I know and people I do business with say I have like a unique tone and voice, which, mm -hmm. you know, like I curse sometimes in it. Um, not that that's like super unique, but I think that gives me a unique, uh, tone and like what you can expect. It's more conversational. It's how I speak versus, you know, some like different person. I would argue if you read a post and you actually knew me, you'd be like, yeah, that's kind of how Danny like talks in general. Yeah. Um, it, you know, all of these answers are, it depends. I would say, I think the most important thing to being unique is telling a good story. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if you and I told the same story, it would be different and each would be unique and probably attract a different viewership. And then somebody would say, Danny sucks at telling a story. And some would say, Nick sucks at telling a story. I think you kind of, if you, the, the, the reason I'm so big on consistency is because you kind of end up, I think, where you're supposed to. You do this like I have every day for two years almost. Mm -hmm. You meander into like the group of people that you're probably going to interact with and like do business. And some people are going to be interested and some are going to hate it and some are going to like it. Some are going to make fun of you. It's uh, I think that makes it easier once you realize, like, just start posting and see what happens versus okay. having some grand, you know, plan. I think that's the thing not enough people talk about is uh, getting roasted in the group chat for something you put on LinkedIn. Uh, has it ever happened to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Still, Nobody still, talks about this. That's going to be my next LinkedIn. Post. Well, I still have friends a lot of time. Be like, ooh, it's like the LinkedIn influencer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All the time. I think the the interesting thing though is it goes from like being made fun of to then like you pique their interest and they're like, shit, maybe they're doing something. Yeah, like, right. maybe oh no. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, haters. And that's actually that's how I view me using a BlackBerry. Is people are like, oh, what are they doing? Ha ha. And then like in that's five years, the most unique research thing. in motion. We're all going to be using. Yeah, that's <laughs> every LinkedIn post is about me using uh, uh, a touch uh, uh, a smartphone. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's not. Um, just wrapping up this point. Do you know how you catch a unique dog? I can't wait to hear the answer. Unique up on it. All right. Transitioning to uh, uh tra I really thought there would be this like rockets, just rocket. <laughs> be like, yeah, like I, I don't have my brand pinned down, but this ain't it. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I always uh, I think about the as silly as it is, and I know that uh, I'm gonna get roasted if anybody. And no, I'm very sure that no, nobody that I know is watching this. Uh, but if I uh, I'm going to compare it to something. It's that Kanye quote of like three beats a day for five summers or five beats a day for three summers of just like, just keep going, just keep going. And some of it's going to get good. And some of it, you might write a book or some of it, you might get, you know, uh, it's also, I find like, there's no, the reason I say like, I'm so big on consistency. There's no rhyme or reason I have found, which used to be like maddening. I was like, Oh, eventually I'll find like some sort of trend. Like if mm -hmm. I post about this, there are posts from like, Oh, this is brilliant. And I push enter and like three people comment comment on it. And then I post something that I think I'm like, Oh, this is dumb. I just wanted to get something out today. And like, people go crazy. Uh, you know, in, in people go crazy in comparison to the, thing. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there are still people. It's, it's amazing. There's, um, I'm trying to think of his name. He just became head of social for, um, oh, who was it for? If you're going to name for, drop, um, you got for, for name. morning brew. Um, can't think of his name, but shout out to him. Joe coffee. <laughs> he, he posted something on Instagram the other day about how LinkedIn was wild. And one of his posts had, you know, uh, 6 million views, I want to say in like a day and a half or something. You right. know, I have a post that gets like 10,000 and I'm super excited. So like there are definitely <laughs> levels to the, uh, the posting game, I would say. Uh, uh, I know that's that's like uh, Jack cool. Appleby. Jack Appleby. Thank there you, we Jack go. Appleby. There we go. Uh, uh, well, we got the name. So so let's move on to the no another topic. So let's talk a little bit about what you've you've pivoted your career towards because I think it's really important in sales and marketing. Um, so the whole idea of, of of using agencies. 
Um, I, I understand that agent, especially when you're, you're in a small company, right? Agencies can be a great way to scale. Uh, but in my experience and to what you've seen, it kind of sucks to get an agency or it can suck to get the right agency. Can you tell me just traditionally why, like, a, like, like pick like a, like a growth marketing agency or something in that, in that wheelhouse, why is it so difficult or, or why historically was it so hard to like get a good pairing or, or find someone that you're happy with? Yeah, I think in general, there's just still not the best spot if you're busy VP of marketing, you know, call it typically, you know, you probably did this as well before I helped you out. Um, you do one of a few things if you're looking for an agency, you can like post on LinkedIn, you can post in a community, you can ask your friends. The thing I find when that happens is rarely does anybody ask any questions, you know, you say mm -hmm. like, hey, does anybody know a growth marketing agency? And somebody goes, yeah, talk to these people. They didn't ask you any questions. What's your budget? Like, what are you looking for? What do you, you know, do you need creative? How much are you hoping to spend? Is there a particular fee model you're hoping to, you know, pay? Um, there's just not a great spot for that. There's several different like platforms that do it. There's things like clutch, but again, I think it still puts a lot of work on the marketer and also doesn't give you a truly objective view, um, which I like to think I do it's just harder to scale. But um, did that answer the, no, it, it absolutely did. And then, I mean, you see all kinds, right? You interact with you know small outfits that less than ten people to hundred thousand person companies, uh, not hundred thousand, hundred two thousand person companies. Um, when I, I guess, do you have any advice or any thoughts on like when's it right to seek agency to help scale versus making a headcount hire or kind of staying put because maybe you don't have the resources or maybe you're not you're not in the right space to to try to scale? I don't think there's. A lot of people will answer that, I think, from what I've heard uh, with like a revenue marker. Like, oh, once you reach this or like yeah. you reach a particular headcount, your marketing budget is X. I think it's harder to do that and have it translate across like a vast majority of businesses because everything is so largely situational. I think a lot of times you probably drop it into a few buckets of like, what are we trying to accomplish? What's the outcome of that work? And what do we hope to spend? It's funny, like when I asked, I, I have to know someone's budget to make a good pairing because mm. agencies work with different budgets. Right. Uh, you know, and a lot of people say, I don't know. And then typically the question they are able, I say, what are you hoping to spend? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's typically an easier way of saying that. But um, I don't know that there's like a universal uh, or uniform answer to that question. It's usually based on that. Like there are plenty of times where I talk to a brand and my answer is, I don't think you're ready for it agency. You know, like if you don't have the time and resources to manage the agency, it's really hard to make them successful. A lot of people think like, oh, I'm a one person marketing department. I'm just going to hire an agency and yeah. outsource to them, which I've seen is usually a recipe for disaster because you don't have the time or resources to make them successful and give them what they need to be successful. So not willing to put an answer to that <laughs> yeah, on, on, so out, out into the universe because I don't think it exists truthfully. It's so situational. So I, a question that came in that uh, I also uh, don't have a great answer to, so I'm wondering what you think. Tips for onboarding an agency when you don't even really have employee onboarding down, right? Because you're getting agencies to get up and running, to scale, to all this. Um, thoughts on how you, where everything's kind of in a jumble. How do you, how do you figure out onboarding for this group of people that are trying to help you? I'd argue you should get your employee onboarding down, <laughs> down first before you work on that. Uh, I put it back on the agency, truthfully. I think they should onboard you. I don't think you should necessarily, um, if you're paying them large sums of money, presumably they should have a good onboarding process for bringing you on and getting what they need to make themselves successful. I think you should be able to figure, you should need to figure out 
how you devote enough time and energy to giving them exactly what they need. So it is if if there is an onboarding or if the onboarding isn't seamless, it's not. There has the agency to be, is not. There has to be some sort of onboarding, but the agency should have their process of what gives them the best chance of success. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. Something you just, uh, you just mentioned before in your, uh, previous answer about, you know, when you were, when you weren't ready to, to give one was, uh, the amount of time it takes. You said, Oh, I'm a one person marketing team. So obviously I can, I, I'll just get agencies and scale, but effort. I mean, there's, it's not like agencies free you you pay the money and they just, they give you, they need a lot of effort. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about the kinds of high touch effort to like, what should a person expect? They're going to want to bring on. And even to the onboarding question, but like you're going to bring on a, a growth marketing agency, you're going to bring on a demand agency, creative design, all kinds. How do you gauge how much of your time that's going to be? Because the agency is probably going to downplay that, right? That's they're, they're going to say, oh, no, we, we, we take care of a lot of it. How do you read through that to figure out what that's going to be for you? Probably depends on the service and the business a ton, but I would put that back on to... Like, those are questions I think brands should be asking agencies when they're vetting them, like during the scoping process and contract process. Like, what are you, you know, especially if there's a deadline, I'll use like a website example, because typically there's some, you know, date in the distance that you're hoping to launch by, even if it's not like a firm thing. Um, You know, there's going to be a million different milestones in a website project, and there's different pieces of information that an agency is most likely going to need at certain points of time. That's an easy way of thinking of it. how much time is going to take me to get these things to you and the inputs for, for, to get that output. Yeah. And also feedback, you know, like oftentimes like a common thing is, Hey, like this timeline is based on you getting us feedback on these designs, for example, in, you know, 72 hours. Yeah. If that's not a realistic thing, you should talk about that prior to putting the timeline together, you know, and a brand should be very honest about that of, there is 0% chance we're going to get you feedback in 72 hours. And then the agency should say, well, great, we'll spread it out. Right. There has to be a give and take. You can't say we're not going to get you feedback in 72 hours, but we still need that timeline or mm-hmm. that uh, that date for launch and stuff like that. So there is a give and take, but I encourage everybody to have very open-ended and honest conversations at the beginning, especially about timing and resources and stuff like that. And so a question, my impression has always been, you know, once you, once you pick the agency route, that's the route you're taking, right? Like you are, you are, but I, I mean, that's, I don't think that's, that's realistically how it works, right? You could, you could go back and forth. You can pause work on an agency and pick it up, especially as you're scaling sales and marketing, you're going to have different problems at different times. Like, right. Like, like things are, things are going to be picking up. Um, thoughts on like the kinds of relationships and how someone should kind of plan for, Hey, uh, you know, I'm doing a website. I'm going to need this for X months, like three or four months. But I might come back to it or might like what's that ecosystem like for a marketer who's trying to grow kind of their presence of just, hey, I, I want to get these team members. I don't know when I'm going to be hiring headcount, but I'm just trying to grow the people that can help me. And, and how, how does a person manage that? I'd say you probably think of it in terms of is something a project versus a retainer slash ongoing need, you know, like a website is a living, breathing thing that you may add to, but at the onset, there's typically a, a start and an end point. You know, that's one way to look at something for typically like ongoing marketing. Um, a lot depends on contracting. Some agencies will do like a month to month contract. Some want a six month or a year month minimum and stuff like that. Uh, typically there's a lot of work on an agency side to bring on a new client. So, you know, starting and stopping uh, isn't something that most agencies are, are going to be thrilled about, um, depending on who the client, you know, a million different factors, but, um, 
you know, the starting and stopping and resources why freelancers are a great option sometimes. If you, you know, have a, an initiative and your agency is working on something else and you just need a writer or a designer or something, you can go find a freelancer or ask me to help you with a freelancer um, and, and plug and play like that. But yeah, yeah the, the starting and stopping is hard because if you do that enough times, uh, yeah. no one's going to want to work with you. <laughs> it's also bad on your knees, I know. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Uh, as long as I think I'm funny, that's what's <laughs> no. Um, so, so from where you sit, you kind of work with sales and marketing teams of all kind, all industry, all of that. So you see a lot of it, especially marketing. Uh, I want to pivot now to what I, I want to say next, what you see coming up is, is uh, effectively how you see the, what marketing's doing and the future going. Give us a, a few thoughts on you have on like, what is effective marketing? And, and what are, what do you, where do you think the sales and marketing either through agency or in-house, like, do you have any predictions for what the next five years are going to hold? Whether it be, we talked about brand building, we talked about scaling through agency. What are your thoughts? I think I've never seen a better time to be a freelancer, actually. Um, it's really? super difficult to hire right now. And a lot of, you know, one perspective and one point of view, but uh, especially in the marketing and like creative space, a lot of people just don't want full-time jobs and they can go be their own boss and be a freelancer and, and take on those clients and stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to pause right there. So let's say, let's say I'm a successful uh, demand gen marketer at a B2B company. What would I do? do I, how do I start being a free? Like, how do I start that process? Is it, do I really talk to somebody like you? Do you, you quit? Do you, you just quit? Like that's it. <laughs> is, do you set fire to the ships? Is there a way to see if it could work out for you? Like, I think I was talking with a writer about this recently. I think it's really hard to give it a fair shake and know what working for yourself as a full-time freelancer will be like, unless you do go full steam ahead. That is uh, obviously significantly easier for me to say uh, yeah. when it's not my own financial situation in life. Um, yeah, I would dip my toes in. I would pick up a client or two and see how it goes and stuff like that. It's a lot of the times the economics work out better for a freelancer where you can take on a couple clients and make more than you do as a full-time hire. Um, you get to write off a bunch of stuff. Uh, taxes are typically more beneficial in that scenario, but yeah, it's not for everyone, truthfully, like not having a steady paycheck, um, having to deal with collections. I mean, there's a million things that go into it. So speaking of freelance, a thing that I think is more and more popular is is everybody and their brothers saying, "Oh, how should how should you should, how should I know if my 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 freelancer content creator or my writer or my designer is doing well?" And they say, "Oh, well, you should see does it bring in revenue?" It, I don't know. That's a, that's an opinion I see a lot on uh, uh, LinkedIn.com, but I don't think that's really realistic for a lot of cases. I don't think like you could tell revenue within the next 30, 60, 90 days. Uh, What's a way to know if, if it's work? Is it literally just person to freelancer fit? Like, what do you, and what do you think about a freelancer saying, hey, I help drive revenue and that's what you should measure me to? Is that realistic? No. I mean, I think like attribution is a muddied word that everyone strives for that you waste time trying to get it. Depends on the service too. Like if you're a, in a creative space, say you're a writer or a designer, you know, can you tie a blog post to revenue? Probably not. Yeah. Are they doing well? I'd say, did they do what you asked in the time you asked them to do it for the amount they said they were going to do it for? Like, to me, that's the measurement of success in that scenario. You can't put too much onto a freelancer in that scenario. If somebody is running like performance marketing for you and Google ads and things like that, easier to tie to revenue, of course. Right. But no, I mean, I, I think success is a, it, dep it depends what you define success as. But truthfully, like on the creative side, I'm typically telling people to find somebody that they mesh with. As a writer, 
as a designer, you're asking somebody to sit and have a conversation. You spit out a bunch of information and they go, I know exactly what you're talking about and then create something that doesn't exist, hand it back to you. And you say, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Like when you think of it like that, that sounds really hard, you know? And especially if they get it on like the first or second try, like what's the value in that? Saves you a bunch of time and energy, but I can't tie a dollar amount to it. Yeah. So there are certain things that are probably tied to revenue. And then there are certain things that are just make your life easier, which is Mm -hmm. harder to equate like a physical dollar amount to. Uh, So going back to your point about becoming a freelancer or whatever that is, uh, you burn the ships. And I think the uh, pandemic made that easier for you. COVID burned burned your ships, right? Uh, But what if you kind of like your job and you like the idea of freelancing? Is it, how do you, how do you break into that? Because I think people look for freelancers. They don't necessarily go to people with full-time jobs and say, Hey, can you do this for me? Right. They look for freelancers, but you're not a freelancer because you don't know that that's what you want to do. Is there any, I would say you're, you're going to say it depends, but is there, are there any like commonplace steps of like the first few things you should do that you should go to Upwork, you should go to five, like, like what, how do you even get a start? Uh, I'd say like a, a good first step is if you're employed and you don't want to quit is talking to your employer, like to make sure that they're not going to freak out because you don't want to lose that right away. If they're like, we saw you doing this, you're fired. Yeah. Um, having an honest conversation, I'd argue any, uh, good employer that actually cares about you, your mental health, your success, anything will be happy for you as long as it doesn't infringe on what you're doing for them or compete with it. Um, Depends. To me, like Upwork and Fiverr are uh, not the best spot. I would say the best first step, which goes back to posting on LinkedIn, could be to legitimately tell every person you know what you're doing. And I'd be super specific and brief. You know, I'd send it to your network. It could be an email. It could be whatever. It's, hey, I'm doing this. If you know anybody who needs X, Y, and Z... I would love to chat and I'd be super appreciative if you could make those introductions. Your, your network and people, my entire business is built on my network. Um, the people who actually like and care about you will want you to be successful and will be willing to do that type of stuff. And the people who are not probably don't care about you anyways. So, yeah. And if you don't ask, the answer is always no. That's right. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Yeah, you get it. Uh, Okay. So so before we wrap up here, is there anything that you have coming up that you want to point the people to? Uh, Anything in general that that you think people should be checking out right now? This is your time time to plug. You really didn't think you'd plug anything. You think we would just like, that would be it. I mean, you can check out (laughs) youshouldtalkto.com. But no, check check out my LinkedIn. That's what I would say. I'm more more approachable there. uh, What's What's your URL? Do you know? LinkedIn.com slash slash in slash Daniel Wiener. There we go. Is there a dash? Daniel dash. I don't know. I'm pretty easy to find. I think there the business is you should talk to. It's, like, it's, a, it's a quirky name. You got to yeah. find it. Uh, uh, anything I'm excited about. Yeah. Uh, my parents are taking their first flight in uh, two years and like a week and a half to come visit me. So okay. that's exciting. Did that's you, nothing to do with work. Did you make an event page for that? The people <laughs> I, I think those are the only two people here. I think my parents are probably watching this LinkedIn live. So. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, two of 10 million. Yeah, as you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's even better. Uh, what are you excited about? And what am I excited about? Uh, so coming up, what? Not this Thursday, but the next Thursday, we have an episode of Mind the Gap. Uh, Danny Wiener. Uh, that's it's, it's going to be that uh, episode. Oh, that's actually launching. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. Awesome. Uh, I'd say other episodes of uh, Mind the Gap. Um, you know, uh, realistically, no. We've got we've got a lot going on uh, here. But when I think about the next few months, 
yeah, my mind goes to like, uh, uh, oh, I've got, you know, my daughter, uh, my, oh, my daughter's learning to walk. So check out that footage at some point. That's going to be hot. Maybe you'll get phone service. And that is our episode. <laughs> you come for the Blackberry. We got to wrap up. No, no, no. Uh, hey, thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you, for having uh, me. Thank you everybody, for the questions and the comments. Um, and uh, uh, hope to hope to do this again soon. Likewise. This has been Mind the Gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by Enablex. My name is Nick Zeke Lopez. Thanks for listening. <laughs>